0: Welcome to the Women with Fire podcast. I am Michelle Gifford. I am Sarah Allred. God is calling women around the world to stand up and make a difference. We call this your quest. God needs you. Learn from other women who are navigating their own quests. And through this podcast, light that fire as you embark upon your own. Let's do this. Hey you, welcome back to the Women With Fire podcast. This is Sarah Allred. Season five is rocking my world right now. And here is another incredible interview that we get to add to season five. Now this girl is resilience magnified. I am just thrilled with her story and that I get to share her with you because she is a big deal. She won't say she's a big deal. I think she's a big deal because of her message to you as listeners and women of faith. She believes in adventure. She's an adventurer. And while I like to sit back and just go, oh my word, what are you doing? This is amazing. She has words of wisdom to help you bring adventure into your life. So if you don't know her, you're going to know her and love her. But sitting across from me on Zoom right now is Emily Orton, and she is amazing, and known from her book called Seven at Sea. Now, if you're like, wait a minute, what is Seven at Sea? Or, oh my gosh, I've heard of that. Go to sevenatsea.com and you can see everything rocking and rolling. But right now I want to introduce you to Emily. Emily, I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome. Hi, Sarah. It is really great to be with you. Thanks for that intro. (laughs) Aren't intros fun? It's like, what are they going to say? What are they going to (laughs) say? But that is the most awesome thing about you is, man, that that adventure can happen in everybody's life. That is kind of what you, is that like your family motto? Like adventure is out there. Like, is that what you live by? Well, we do
1: have um, some
0: family guidelines
1: and one of them is that we explore, that we discover, that we're curious. And I usually like to say like, I'm not an adrenaline junkie, although I might sometimes say that my husband is <laughs> but <laughs> but I am very curious and a lot of it to me actually is founded in just always wanting to learn more and have more experiences and I learn more about myself it helps me see myself in a different way I love busting paradigms whenever something comes into my life and I'm like I never thought about it that way before it shows me blind spots that I have and I think that's really exciting so I am you know, I'm just curious and that comes across as adventurous. Yeah, I think, yeah, adventure is is what we're here
0: for. See, this is crazy because I sometimes think that we get put into a mold that I, I mean, have you ever heard somebody say, I don't want to have kids yet because there's so much stuff I want to do? Right? You've heard people. Oh say
1: that. yeah. Well, and I hear people say, like, or I'm not ready or I'm not qualified yet. I was standing behind two women waiting in line for a bathroom. I live in New York City. And I was waiting in line for a bathroom at Central Park and I heard these two women, probably in their late 20s, early 30s, saying about a friend who had recently had a baby and they were like, I'm just not ready. Like, I wouldn't, I there's things I don't know or things I haven't experienced that I won't get ready. And I'm like, dude, you are never going to be ready for certain things in your life. And one of them is marriage. Another one of them is having children because hello, you have no idea who that person is even going to be. And it's just one of those things where you, you qualify as you go. Like (laughs) you just learn as you grow. It's the only, only possible way to get ready for that stuff is to just do it and keep moving forward. So yeah, I've totally heard that.
0: That's an amazing message to me, because I I think that that's sort of a standard that we've set. Like, there's still a lot of travel I want to do before I have kids. So I'm waiting or, you know, Mary, I mean, we've talked all about this, you know, we're rehashing it a little bit, but, but was it an obvious thing, the adventures that you've taken with your family and the approach you've taken with raising your kids, were were you and your husband just both spot on agreeing? Like, are you both really similar that way that like, (laughs) this would be fun. Let's do this. Let's go on the ocean. Let's what? Like, were you agreeing on this? No, No,
1: not at all. I guess I would actually say we're both, we're both interested in learning. We're both interested in, we're both curious. We both care a lot about uh, relationships, so we both feel like our time here is very limited no matter how long we live, um, and there's so much that we'd love to understand better. When we were first married, my husband was in a play in school, and it was called The Matchmaker, which also became the movie um, Hello, Dolly. So it's same same story, same same show, and he had had like a, a supporting role, but one of the lines from the play is just the right amount of adventure. And so when we left school and we moved to New York city to work in Broadway, it was this idea, just the right amount of adventure. And I was really nervous about moving into a tiny, tiny apartment and our two small kids and being a new mom. And, you know, but we just kept saying, Hey, this is just the right amount of adventure and we'll do it together. And, you know, that wasn't, didn't actually turn out to be, Easy, but it did turn out to be formative. And I would say we've kind of been serial jumpers, <laughs> cliff jumpers in between. Like, hey, let's move to New York. Hey, let's try to produce a show off Broadway. Hey, let's go live on a boat. And I think this uh, boat thing kind of snuck up on me for sure. One of the things that I think was the biggest challenge in this experience was not seeing ourselves as the kind of people who did this sort of thing.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: I really think that a lot of times our our, uh, biggest obstacles are our own self-limiting beliefs. (laughs) And um, this goes way back. I know my mother-in-law just sent me this morning some ancient Persian quote about, uh, it's this, you are your only border, throw yourself over it. Persian poet, circa 1325 to 1389. How long have we been like recognizing that we are our own biggest barrier, right?
0: Oh, my, there is truth in that huge truth.
1: So, the first barrier was just for Eric, he just didn't see himself as a sailor. I never even cared about seeing myself as a sailor because I was scared of deep water, I was scared of the deep end of the swimming pool. I had no intention of even getting close to facing a fear um, like that. But I, you'll notice like when um, people that you love come to you with a need, a lot of times we find that we have it within ourselves to be present for them or to, to help them in some way. I, I never would have decided to do this by myself, for myself, And I think this has happened repeatedly in our life. I think my oldest daughter at one point came to me and said, Hey, mom, will you homeschool me? And that was not my idea of our plan A for education, you know? But as I opened up to the idea and became curious about it and became prayerful about it, that came to be the right answer for our family and actually helped me grow a lot as a person because I felt that I needed to always be the example of the things I was trying to teach, kind of like that Gandhi approach. Like, yes, well, you want to see what writing looks like? Okay, well, I will now write and submit a piece to a literary magazine, and you will see what the process is like, and we will grow side by side. So Mm -hmm. it ended up, yeah, being great for me. And this comes back to the boat because Eric said uh, he finally overcame that vision of himself at not as a sailor, not as a person who had what the wealth that he thought would be required to take this up. It seems like such a, a posh leisure activity. And we, there's nothing posh about us (laughs) at all. Um, we actually have a joke in our family that's hashtag classy because we are just like bootstrapping and Jerry rigging everything to make it work. But he was willing to cross the threshold to ask the question, to go into the sailing school that was downstairs from his office where he was working, temping because our off-Broadway production flopped and he was still trying to take care of us. So he got up the nerve, he went in there and because he was working nights, they were like, we don't have any classes at your time. So for him, there was an additional hurdle that he'd have to find three more people to even get started. And so man, I was feeding him ideas, have you asked so-and-so, why don't you check with this person? Why don't you check with that person? And it came down to nobody being available or wanting to put in the, the
0: time or the money to make it happen. So I've got to interrupt you. I have to totally, because inter- yeah. I know our listeners are thinking the same thing I am. Like, I love that you're feeding him ideas. Try this person, try this person. Yeah. Why were you so gung-ho about doing this? I can't figure out like, if you're scared of deep water, you're not going to be searching for friends to take a sailing class so that your family can go live on a boat. Like that seems so, yeah. that doesn't make sense to me. Why were you so gung-ho? I just want him to
1: do it with somebody else.
0: (laughs) Oh, the truth is out. Okay. Yeah, I think, oh,
1: he'll go, he'll take this class with some friends and then that will be that. That'll be the end of it. He'll go sailing and then he'll know. I thought it was, this was a short-term thing. You know how sometimes it wasn't like a dream for our family at this point. It was just this thing that he personally was curious about and he was working, you know, every night at this night job for us, he was serving in our church, which took up, you know, filled in a lot of the gaps, especially on weekends. And this was a thing that it's just, I I wanted to fuel that fire in him that something that made him feel sort of Curious and alive, I was like, Yes, go do it. Good for you. Okay.
0: <laughs> we don't so have the to whole, do everything the same. Yeah. <laughs> the whole idea of like what this was gonna turn into was not on the horizon. He didn't come no. to, there's a sailing school underneath where I'm working. I'm gonna go take some classes, and then we're all gonna go live on the sea, all seven of us. Like that was not the pitch, right? You were no, trying to not at all. Your wife
1: it was this like fateful shower one morning you know that happens when your brain is in diffuse mode and you're getting creative because you're not really thinking about any one thing and he came out of the shower and he was like what if you and our two oldest daughters are the other three people in my class, you know, they're like 11
0: and nine. And I like, say, wait a minute. I see where like, this is going. Wait. <laughs>
1: <Right>? <laughs> like, I didn't know how we were going to afford it. If you were going to take it by yourself, how are we now all of a sudden going to pay? It was like $500 a person. Like, how are we now all of a sudden going to pay for four of us to take this He's class? in a temp
0: job, right?
1: He's in this temp job. And okay. we have these other um, three kids that I would then have to pay for babysitting for, you know, these hours. And I was like, I don't know what you're smoking, but I just don't see how this is gonna work. And he he was like, I will take on a second job.
0: Oh you my know? word.
1: He was so committed. And I was like, okay, you're, this is so worth it to you. This like temporary short-term thing that, and, and I told him like, I'm scared of deep water. And I feel like you don't remember this about, like, do you even know me? <laughs> just want to bring it up again because we've only been married like 17 years at this point and um or maybe it wasn't that long it was like 12 anyway um he he was like just stay in the boat no one's asking you to get in the water and so I did it then you know I he really wanted to and there were all kinds of ways I could talk myself into this being a good experience for the kids it's a way I could strengthen my relationship with my husband here I'm willing to make a sacrifice that makes me nervous like so cool again family and learning those are always my two top things so we went for it and at the end he's like what if we rent a boat um these boats are like 20 feet long there's just a little sail we're you know, but we, we took lessons in New York Harbor and it was just actually kind of cool to sail under the Statue of Liberty and be out there with all oh the fairies word. and you just it felt like wholesome and patriotic, even though we got really seasick. Um, that was one very of the very
0: patriotic.
1: <laughs> so one of the main things we learned is that we get seasick. So he was like, Okay, well then let's overcome that obstacle. Let's get some ginger, let's get some bracelets, let's see what works for us. So we we took the class, we passed, we did great. Um, he was like, let's try it without an instructor. We rented a little, uh, another little 23 foot sailboat uh, in New Jersey and took out the whole family. It was a horrible disaster, I think, um, in the sense that everyone was like crying and screaming and he wasn't um, a very practiced captain as far as thinking ahead and giving calm instructions and helping our inexperienced crew know what to anticipate. And so it was a lot of just, Shouting and frustration and like and orient our flowers.
0: listeners. Tell us how old your kids are. So, that so they at know this
1: point, yeah, going. at this point, we have an eleven-year-old, a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, a two-year-old, and our eight-month-old has just been diagnosed with Down syndrome. So we now understand like why she can't hold like sit up yet, <laughs> and um and the the two-year-old's like clinging to me, and the, and the babies, like I'm trying to nurse her through two life vests. I mean, it was. It was bad. We could tell we were a mess, but when the other people started pointing at us and laughing at us from their boats, we were like, all right, like, this is just ridiculous.
0: <laughs> Be a friend, people. Come on. So Come on it, was not, <laughs> yeah,
1: it was not an auspicious uh, beginning, but he continued to uh, sail with friends again, always on the really frugal budget they would chip in for the cost of renting a boat. All these people who didn't want to take the class now wanted to have the chance to just go out and sail for a day. Felt like the little red hen where no one wanted to help make the bread, but everyone wanted to eat it. (laughs) So so that, he did that for a couple of seasons and this idea just kind of, I thought it was sort of over for us. It was just going to be a skill we had in our wheelhouse. Um, But it actually was sort of hibernating And it came forth having spent all that time taking friends out sailing when he's working full time, serving in a like a a many hours a week calling, and then these occasional outings with friends like that was really eating into our time as a family. And we missed uh, being together. So we got a tip from somebody else about a place that we might be able to afford to join. It's called it's called a yacht club. See, it sounds really posh, right? But it's getting like yeah, it it's like these dumpy little boats with no motor. Um, it's <laughs> like it's like two picnic benches and a sail, basically. <laughs> and so, and it was like the cost of cable. I think I think it was like 140 a month, but you spread it out over all 10 months, and it's like 100 month, dollars a month, somewhere around there for us to sail as much as we want as a family. So we started going out there a few times a month and what we discovered, and this feels like a lot of buildup to decide to live on a boat, but what we learned is that we would be out there just for a couple of hours with no real cell reception, nothing else to really do, just being outside only really 30 minutes from where we lived in Manhattan and having this whole different experience of connecting seeing each other's eyeballs singing together stomping our feet um, passing the skills on to our kids who there's something that really lights up about a kid they step up when you hand them the tiller which is the steering instrument on those little boats and you're saying what does that buoy say like just what was happening in our family was really cool and we started watching videos of families who lived aboard and that just like opened our minds to What might be possible and honestly this seems like a weird thing to inspire us but there was a family we were following and they were kind of posh they built their own boat and they were traveling around the whole world taking three years and they were doing a repair on the boat and this pole called spinnaker pole uh, fell on the dad's head and he got a gash in his head and the mom was a nurse which I'm not a nurse so that was always an issue for me but they were about 50 miles away from Puerto Rico and boats go about five miles an hour. So it's a long <laughs> trip. And their 12-year-old son was at the helm and their two daughters were making sure that the dad was okay and not falling asleep with this head wound. And the mom was on the radio to Coast Guard like throughout their um, like, nearly 10-hour journey trying to get him to the closest hospital. And we could see that something happened with that family that really not only did they step up as individuals in their confidence, they they had a visceral experience with how fragile and how precious our families are. And those kids really came through for the parents and, you know, they arrived and everything was fine and they continued on their journey. And when they got there, people took them in and, like took them out for pizza and ice cream and they went back to just being kids again and being cared for instead of being the, the caregivers. But I, there was just something in that moment that Eric and I were both so taken by that We but like, we don't want to have a tragedy. We don't want to have any accidents, but could there be something in this for our family that struggles together? And he said, you know, uh, shortly after that, he, he said to me, I, I think the 7 of us on a sailboat would be enough universe for me. And I just said when do you want to go? That isn't what I just thought like I had like a million different thoughts rush into my head about like Oh yeah. safety school friends what about our apartment what about you know all the things but I I must've been inspired to just not jump in with all those questions and kill that idea right there with, with fears and worries And I just said, well, when would you want to go? And, and, and he said, I want to go before um, the kids start leaving for college. And I think that is when the idea turned into a goal because suddenly we had a specific thing that we wanted to do with a specific timeframe that it needed to happen in And that's when things really that's when the heat really turned on. And, you know, the short the short story there is that we took more classes, we took more experiences, we took the kids out on boat for a couple overnights, they had two nights living aboard a boat before they had to commit to the full time (laughs) experience. We shopped for boats. And it became a whole family affair because I think if it had just been Eric's idea, it would have died. If it had just been the two of us, it maybe wouldn't have persisted. But once the whole family was online, anytime somebody got cold feet, someone else was there to say, hey, what's going on with this? Do you really, our daughter actually said, do you have the guts to do this or are you just talking? And, you know,
0: things like that would propel us, you know, forward so this is so amazing what you have just shared, because every little sentence that you're saying about the the little spark of clarity of, is there something in this for our family? The spark of clarity where you say, let's go do this, even though I'm worried about school and finances and friends and our apartment and et cetera. And then this other spark of clarity, are you just talking about it? Or are we going to do this from your daughter? These are just—it's like this higher level of thinking that you are getting these little sparks of that have created this incredible journey. What have you? I know that you speak at Time Out for Women, mm-hmm. and so if you're lucky enough to be there when Emily is speaking, listeners, lucky, lucky you. She's touring with them now. What? What is your message about God bringing adventure? into our lives or allowing those things to happen? Like what have you learned about how God wants our lives to be? Or what does he feel about adventure? All these things, What? what's your message? I love this question and thank you for
1: asking me. Um, this is something that I have come to over time. I, In my relationship with God, I recognize myself as his daughter on an eternal journey. And if my progress is going to be ongoing, then that means I'm gonna be uncomfortable for a long time. There's gonna be a lot of things that I don't know that I'm gonna to have to go from not knowing to knowing in my progression towards him and and coming back to him. And I think that is what adventure is. It's and it's gonna be a lot of trial and error. And so when I look at my understanding is that I lived as. This person as myself in his presence before I came into mortality, into this physical world where it's all high risk and everybody else's decisions affects my decisions and vice versa. It's just this ping pong, rapid fire, you know, high stakes game with no guarantees of what the outcome will be. And I chose to come here. And I think part of it was because I felt that I would be able to progress here and i wanted to prove myself to god but part of it is that i wanted to prove myself to myself i wanted to have the real stakes the real deal and i read this in a an address by um, francine arbenian called the theology of suffering where she talks about we are co-creating our reality with god as we live it and we didn't just come to prove ourselves to him but we wanted to know what we were really made of and and recognizing it myself as a person who like I want to see what I have like what am I bringing I want some skin in the game like literally skin in the game so I think the most adventurous risky scary thing that I've ever done and that any of us have ever done was to choose to leave his presence pass through a veil of forgetfulness leaving behind everything I knew and loved and was comfortable with to come into like I said a high stakes world full of uncertainty nothing else that i'm gonna uh, face in this life is gonna i think be more risky more challenging more scary and adventurous than that initial leap and if i know that about myself that i came here to learn and to progress and to you know become a new creature then i'm a lot it's a lot easier for me to face these other kinds of challenges and in fact Embrace and seek out disruption. I feel like going on this journey for me I chose the disruption so many times disruption comes into our life unexpectedly It could be anything right like an illness or an accident or a turn of events at work or School or whatever it might be and this was something where we said um, we want to bring this disruption on We want to challenge ourselves. We want to challenge our family and we wanna go through this experience together. Uh, we think, we don't think it will make us happier, but, because we're not trying to escape anything, but we think it will make us stronger. And that turned out to be the case. It was much harder than we anticipated, but I did, like through that experience, really start seeing myself as an adventurous person and um, recognizing that this is part of my divine nature to seek out opportunities to learn and to grow and if i go back to my understanding of eve i mean she just that decision that we made coming to earth was one chance where we're like i don't know what's going to happen but i know this is the possibility for growth eve did the exact same thing in the garden i don't know what's going to happen but nothing's going to happen if i don't step into this uncertainty and (laughs) Embrace it and not, not knowing, and then growth becomes possible and and I think it's true on so many levels, whether it's you know in our relationships or uh, especially I love on your podcast, how people are always acknowledging like, well, I felt this inkling that I should start this business or start this good work or do this good thing and and share beyond you know myself and my home this this thing with the world and Like, I didn't know how to do it or I didn't know what was going to happen. And it's just an adventure we just don't know and we move forward anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's just kind of ramble, ramble. But um, no, I think that's our nature. It's our nature. It's our nature to act for ourselves. It's our nature to make choices. And it's our nature to always be learning. And that is always going to be some kind of adventure.
0: Let's just take a little break because we want to give you access to our most requested bonus episodes straight to your inbox. We have never shared these episodes before digitally. Michelle's famous talk, God is Speaking to You. Do you hear Him? And guess what? You also get Sarah's crucial talk called Satan is at the White. I'm just telling you, these are very good. <laughs> They are huge resources to give you a vision and confidence in making decisions with the Lord. Which is what we're trying to do, right? Grab the bonus episodes now at thewomenrequired.com slash bonus. Now, back to the podcast. This really has brought to the forefront. We just finished conference. This is right after we have, you know, literally two days after conference of April 2019 has ended. And I was amazed at how much it was brought up to, to, to say, like, who am I? Who am I really? What kind of skills and gifts have I been given that, that not only qualify me, but maybe just not even qualify me, but get me going? Just, just start just start doing these things. Did you hear that in conference too? Yeah, I felt that. And I
1: also felt like there were some specific comments and maybe just an overall feeling to me is that whoever you think you are right now, that's not it. That's not going to be the end of it. And, and one of the things that I love about this story is especially when my husband said, I didn't see myself as this kind of person, but I crossed that threshold anyway. And my vision was expanded and that's happened again and again. And And when you look in the Bible dictionary definition about repentance, it's seeing yourself and God in a fresh way. And I love this idea of repentance as um, a lifestyle of self-discovery. And so you might say, oh, like people say to me a lot, I'm not adventurous. And for all the reasons I've just- It's
0: not true.
1: (laughs) I've just mentioned, I don't buy that. I think we need to reframe and say, I have been- extremely adventurous like extreme beyond red bull extreme like i have been (laughs) adventurous i have taken huge risks and if you look also like oh i've taken a risk on relationships in my life with these imperfect people we don't know what the outcomes are going to be but the stakes are high i've taken risks on bringing these children into my life you know whether by adoption or biology it's that is a huge risk. You've now then committed the rest of your life to this person who you've never met, you know? And, and I think if sometimes we can look at areas where we've actually been quite brave, we can then transfer that to other areas and say, well, I've been very brave over here. Maybe I can borrow some of that bravery and bring it to this other part of my life where I'm feeling nervous right now. If I recognize that this is part of my nature, that I am brave, that I am curious, that I am willing to take risks, that I'm willing to fail and try again. We, Yeah, we can just bring it, it from over
0: right here to over there. It's tra- it transfers. So let me put you on the spot. Yeah. Okay. Let me just put you on the spot here. What is the difference when you talk about that you have found your greatest progression and adventure has come with being uncomfortable? Okay. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I firmly do. So let me put you on the spot with this. What is the difference between feeling uncomfortable versus feeling fearful? Because we do want to avoid fear in God's terms, right? Mm-hmm. Faith casteth out all fear, that whole thing. You are pretty gutsy to get out there and seek for things that make you uncomfortable. I think most of us want to be compelled to be con- uncomfortable, right? Out of our out of our comfort zone, but you have chosen it. You have said, "I'm going to risk this. I'm scared of this. I'm going to do it anyway." What is the difference between being uncomfortable and being fearful?
1: I think that there's a lot of crossover in that Venn diagram and it's just about whether I'm willing to to face that fear, I am calling it more discomfort and try to be logical about what's actually going to happen if I proceed. You know, and there could have been true fears. You know, going on the boat, not just um, first world fears like what will this do to my savings account, um, but like we could be in an accident or, <laughs> sure, you know, sure. a storm, which we were in storms. And I would say probably the thing that I was even more uncomfortable with than going to live on a sailboat was writing a book about living on a sailboat with our family writing a book in which we tried to be totally honest about our experiences and not sugarcoat the struggles physical emotional and relational that we that we experienced and the reason that i was able to move past that. And I will say some days I still just wake up with a low grade nausea thinking, oh my gosh, it's out there and anybody can read it. Everyone's going to (laughs) know. Everybody should read it. (laughs) And everyone's going to know like our true emotions. They're having like a front row seat in our our marriage and in our parenting and decision-making process. And uh, we were very deliberate about deciding to do that because we felt that if we shared our story, it might benefit somebody else who was going through a decision-making process or who felt like they were struggling in their marriage and then could see, oh, that's part of a healthy resilient marriage is that you do communicate about these difficult things and having a difficulty isn't a sign of a, of a troubled relationship. It's just par for the course when you're interacting with other human beings over the long term. (laughs) And um, how, how do we then go about it? And so. For me, we have what we talk about, this fear equation, and it's when the pull, the thing that you're comfortable with and that you already know has less pull on you than the thing that you're hoping for and looking forward to. And for us, the question that has gotten us to flip the seesaw from inaction to you know maybe disrupting ourselves is what could go right. Because we sat and thought about <laughs> all of the things that could go wrong all the lists, any of your listeners can immediately think of all the reasons why they wouldn't want to do this sort of thing, right? And those are all the same reasons we probably listed about why it was a bad idea to go. We have all these little kids, we have a child with special needs, we don't have the money.
0: Those we, are pretty major yeah. things.
1: <laughs> we may never be, my husband was so worried he would never uh, work again. How was he going to explain this gap in his resume, you know, all of these things. And then obviously the friendships and stuff. So there were all those fears, but we started thinking about what could go right. What could be some of the positive outcomes that we miss if we never take this gamble? And so uh, what did go right? So some of the things that did go right is that we, we grew in three kinds of confidence. Well, obviously we saw beautiful places in the world Um, some of the three kinds of confidence I call are competence, credibility, and calm. I think calm being the most important. Competence is just the natural confidence that comes when you develop a new skill. We developed a lot of new skills, right? And that that kind of inched us forward in feeling competent. The next one was uh, credibility. And we all talk about having like A credit score for your finances and this we like to think about a credibility score So when our daughter said are you really gonna do it? or Are you just gonna talk about it? that's your credibility on the line and Not that our you know kids had obviously it was something we wanted to do and that encouraged us We don't let our kids like push us around and they don't pull the strings. We run a benevolent uh, dictatorship (laughs) Reality yeah, but but you know, we're all on that team and that, that sort of thing really helped. And we were actually really surprised that by doing the things that we said we would do, we gained a lot of credibility with ourselves. And I think the big surprise was that after this trip, actually there were a lot of employers and headhunters who were like, hey, this is a this is the guy who gets things done. And they were seeking him out. <laughs> and, and so not, you know, the opposite of what we had expected would be the result of this choice. Um, when we took the risk. And then last one, calm. It's the calm that just comes from realizing you're going to be able to figure it out as it comes, that that we're not going to have control over everything. We're not going to be able to pre-navigate every problem that may come up. I mean, especially in sailing terms, like the weather changes, you know, things have changed even in the ocean floor sometimes due to storms or, you know, uh, records aren't updated, but we would go from Island to Island and we wouldn't know in advance where there was a grocery store, what they were going to have in the grocery store, how much things would cost, where we were going to anchor um, things like that. And we realize, but the closer we get to the Island, you know, at first we see nothing on the horizon. We just trust that it's out there. Then we see these little palm trees sticking up and eventually you start seeing the Sandy shore. And then you, set anchor and you go in and you walk around and that's how problems are solved in all areas of our life is that you just keep getting closer and closer to it and the details emerge and either you find the answers that you need or you realize you can do without that thing (laughs) or you know what whatever um it may be but we just could not possibly know in advance and that letting go of that control and being willing to just take the one or two steps right ahead of us is I think what allowed us to make so much progress. And that's been how we've continued Um, prior to living on the sailboat. We did that full of worry and full of forecasting, sort of always keeping our eye on the, you know, the distance. But this is like, we know we want to go into the distance and now we're going to just focus one step
0: incredible i love that kind of vision even though it's it's very symbolic because i have never been sailing when i'm new in new york you and i go yeah. we are going um and i will nurse my baby through two life jackets because i want yes. to grow like I'll you
1: i'll bring a tiara <laughs> yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of blown away. I'm like, I am an adventurer. I am an adventurer. So amazing. So Emily, I love the symbolism of this that that you allowed the boat to keep going, that you still kept the boat functioning and going and sailing and doing all those things. It's not like you sat in the middle of the ocean and made and anchored the boat and said, "Okay, we're going to pray until we know exactly where we're supposed to go and where we're going to anchor and how much bread costs with the place that we're going to go." That <laughs> you know, you weren't doing this stalled method you said, look, we are headed here. We are going here. We're going to enjoy it, love it, experience it, and it will come into view. Yeah, we will. You will
1: figure it out.
0: (laughs) Which I think is so, it sounds so basic, but it's not. I think, you know, we work with a lot of, we call them questers, people who feel stirred or wanting to engage in some sort of discomfort, right? Online or in business or in their homes or community. And I think that one of the most common feelings is paralysis because they don't know the details. Well, I don't know how to, how to do email marketing and I don't, and I'm scared of what people are going to say if I go out online and I don't even know how to register for a domain and I'm not a writer. I'll never have a book. I mean, and you're nodding your head like up and down. What do you oh, say?
1: To absolutely. Well, I say this is actually one of my personal weaknesses as someone who loves to learn. I'm also a chronic researcher. Hmm. and research can get you so far, but we have the internet. Like you could research till you die and not know everything about and get nowhere and get nowhere. Yeah. And have, and be an expert on, you know, well, I have now read, you know, 5,000 articles about email marketing. No, at a certain point you actually just have to send a test email or try out a funnel or like what, whatever the I thing is that you're around. doing in your marketing and you actually um, my husband is really really good at this um, I have more of an aim shoot approach to making things happen and he has more of a shoot aim he's like let me just throw something out there then I'll see how close it is to anything else and then I'll adjust adjust from there and so sometimes we drive each other crazy being the opposite in this way, yes, yes. Um, but I really have recognized that I get stuck in research, and I've had to put limits on myself of how far or like how much time I can spend in research because um, we have to take action if we want to really know. the The rest of it is theoretical. We have to take the action if we want to see.
0: I left. what's it.
1: actually going to happen in our life. We have to be those scientists and see it as an experiment. And I think we feel as questers, like we feel, um, like you say, called. It feels so important that we don't want to make mistakes. Or we feel like maybe if God's guiding us, then somehow means we're not going to make mistakes or something.
0: The great lie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's one of the but great... But I love um, you did... Uh, an interview with Michelle where you talked about how she started out doing a cake business and how did that then lead to this totally other thing that she's doing now. And the fact is that I 100% agree with you both that nothing you learn is wasted. No time that you spent acquiring a new skill or new knowledge is wasted, but you can miss out if you don't start taking action. You don't start taking steps towards the thing. I
0: love this. You can so I have this, sign. Yeah. yes, go. I have
1: this, sometimes this sign, I keep this chalkboard to remind me of stuff. And for one, one solid week, it just said, do the thing. You know, like,
0: <laughs> yes, do the thing. That's one of your quotes, girl. Yeah.
1: Don't be doing the things around the thing. And it's just to remind me because I recognize in myself that I have this weakness of wanting to do all of the shoring up, all of the, the prep, all of the base camp stuff but you actually just have to do doing the thing is the most direct
0: <laughs> way I lo- to get there. Our <laughs> listeners and me we are sitting here going that is me <laughs> that is me i'm doing all the things around the thing now go yeah go. and go, we go, should go go
1: go we should pat ourselves on the back and say also like hey i'm conscientious and i want to do a good job like that's good and now you're just going to have to act on never all the information, never the convenient time.
0: I love this. Can I ask you about kind of a hot topic? Yeah, yeah let's see it. You've been very blunt that this was not, oh, we just inherited half a million dollars. We're going to go <laughs> live on the sea for a year, right? That was not the scenario. Cause I want to talk yeah. to you about money. Okay? Let's talk. Yeah. Because that to me personally, would scare the dickens out of me because I think so much about We've got to support our family and nurture our family. I know your husband believes yeah. very strongly in that clearly he's like working mega to support you guys yeah what have you learned about money through seven on the sea seven at sea This is such a great question.
1: You can pretty much do it on any budget the, the, the adventure that we did we were the biggest family on the smallest boat um, part of our plan including reselling our boat. So the, there was the cost of the boat, but then we sold it afterwards for the same price that we paid for it. Having made improvements, you know, you never get the full amount Jimmy back.
0: Jimmy
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he installed the water maker and stuff, but we did it on a very small budget, certainly less than we lived on, living on land. We rented out our minivan. I mean, we were getting, our, one of our daughters sold her hair. Like we were just like focused as a family on making this this happen and I think, you know, we bought a used minivan a few years ago and I think our trip ultimately cost about the same as that used minivan. So on the one hand, thinking about the money that we spent, we tried to spend as little as necessary (laughs) to make it happen and we knew that what we were investing in, those memories and experiences, would always increase in value, which no other investment can boast and so we felt like it was worth the financial risk there did it stress you out it didn't stress me out as much as it stressed out my husband and that's fair because that's the burden that in the way we've divided to conquer that's been the burden that he's taken on and thought about every single day i always just think about stretching the dollar and he was thinking about bringing the dollars in it's changed a little bit since we've started working together more since writing this book but One of the things that we threw a test balloon out there, weren't sure how it would go is we thought about starting a financial course online. Hey, do you want to learn about how to do money? Because everybody's like, how did you pay for that? And he wrote a little booklet that's on our blog called the money part that talks a lot about our mindset and what we do. But as people just started flooding in. Like everybody wanted to hear about how to pay for it. They all wanted to be a guinea pig in our <laughs> pilot program. And we were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We learned right away that um, we didn't have the time and bandwidth to, to create what they needed because we thought it was just going to be basics of living within a budget, setting up a budget, using QuickBooks or whatever.
0: <laughs> no, yes.
1: it was not that at all. It's all. It was primarily about the mindset. And every single person that contacted us wanted to make the exact same amount of money which was surprising and the amount was enough so that i don't worry i want to have enough money so that i don't worry about it and the secret that we learned on Fezziwig and through our personal financial journey is that that amount doesn't exist (laughs) there's no magical amount that will make you stop worrying worry is in a completely separate column from your financial numbers. And you can choose to worry at any amount, or you can choose to be curious about how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to make this work? Like, I wonder what we're going to figure out. I wonder what brilliant idea God's going to give us, or what opportunity is going to come in our path, or what we can generate that it's going to help solve these problems. But the worry, when you're poor, you worry about not having enough. When you're middle income, you have to make choices because it has to be either or. When you have a lot of money, you're worried about losing it. The worry, that's 100% separate. And we realized, oh, this is going to be a totally different kind of course if we're talking about mindset, because the worry and the money, we put them together, but they don't, they didn't grow that way. Like they don't, they don't come that way. They are separable. (laughs) And so we were like, okay, we'll, we'll put that, you know, as a project idea for a little bit down the road. But it was just amazing to me to realize how much emotion is caught up in. I was like, we need financial therapists is what we need because we actually all know how to add and subtract We know how much money is coming in. We know how much is going out. The mess with our finances is the emotion about what does this represent security to me? Does this represent success? Does this represent personal value? You know.
0: Yes. And I love, I love even the parallel that you bring of, look, let's get real. We were the biggest family on the smallest boat. Yeah. And for some of us mentally, we would even be worried about that that, oh, we're going to be viewed as the biggest family. Well, we have the biggest family, so we should have a bigger boat than everybody else. So therefore we're going to wait until the bigger boat is possible. And then again, we're waiting, we're doing all the things around, around the thing, but we're not doing the thing. And so focusing in and saying, okay, so we're the biggest family on the smallest boat. So what? Like, yeah, we're we're going to make this work.
1: Right before we got to the Caribbean, Steve Jobs' mega yacht was there, and he had passed away already at that point. But I was like, you know what? We always just laugh because we we're like, yeah, maybe we're tying up sheets to keep the sun out because we don't have a good shade cover. But we're seeing the same sunset, the same dolphins, the same Love. snorkeling. You know, we're not having strawberries flown in with the daily paper, but we're, you know, having the bulk of the experience, what we wanted. We And you're together. Yeah we were together and you know you asked what could go right and the biggest surprise was that we made friends and the friends did not care (laughs) they didn't care that they all had bigger boats with flat screen tvs or that they had figured out how to run you know electric hogs like blenders and could make smoothies on their boats and stuff stuff we could only dream of right (laughs) (laughs) When you're in the middle of it. (laughs) For a while, we didn't even have a refrigerator and we just drank box milk and, you know, you just, we felt like what we had to, you know, deal with was worth it for what we got out of it. It was like such a bargain for us to be able to,
0: to have those experiences. Um, I love this. I love this. It makes it, when I was out walking last night, thinking about our interview and I was listening to one of President Nelson's talks from conference, actually from the priesthood session. I was being sneaky. Was oh, thinking, yeah. I listened to that one too. <laughs> so sneaky, right? But one of the things that he said, which to me is, is describing the inner transformation that happened to you and your family, relationships-wise and money-wise and all these things, is that with increased purity, I'm probably switching this up, but with increased purity comes increased power and I think about all of these things that could have stopped you. Well, what are we gonna, we're not gonna have friends. How -hmm. can we allow this not to have friends? That could have stopped you, but you've purified, you gained friends, and you've increased your family's power. Financially, okay, we've already talked about the money. That probably would have stopped, and the world said should have stopped any family from tackling what you guys did. Yet you have purified, Your mindset and your spirit to say we can have the smallest boat people and we cannot have blenders (laughs) i might draw the line at the box milk but (laughs) (laughs) but you didn't you increased purity therefore you've increased your family's power and i could go on and on and on about the the risks you have taken to increase your purity and when I sit here and I look at seven at sea and I read your Fezziwig blog and all those things I see a powerful couple and I see a powerful family and can you I know it's all in retrospect but clearly this was worth it
1: this was Completely worth it. And I think a lot of times like you hear from your other questers that they if they feel inspired by God to do something um, You know, they'll bring all of their Their wisdom to bear on it. But a lot of times it looks illogical It looks like it it doesn't make sense that you would make these choices, but you know you felt prompted and you trust God, you've got someone on your team now who controls the powers of nature, and <laughs> you're 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 seeing things a little bit differently. For me, throughout the whole process, I just kept having this little feeling on my heart, like this is good, this is right. And the the more we just kept stepping forward in this direction, I knew it was the right direction. And just before we left, uh, my husband received a blessing in which he was told that this is heavenly father's plan for your family that you are supposed to go on this journey we were going anyway like we had felt Either the little words. the little promptings but all of us were sitting around we all heard that we all knew uh, that it was true we didn't know why but we just got on the airplane <laughs> and we went out there and i think the reasons continue to unfold For us that um, you know our partner in this has such a bigger vision than what we had and we just trust him and that has made our family do some things that just look crazy sometimes (laughs) totally crazy but he also blesses us with calm I think Choosing to then write a book about it is is one of those things where his hand has been very manifest and that we did something crazy again. Um, we came back, my husband went to work in a totally new field because now he could see himself in a new way that he that way would not have been opened prior to this trip. But he had that transformative new creature type experience through, you know, this step of faith then led to the next one, which then like he probably made in two years, what usually would have taken him six years to earn because he was in a new line of work. He happened to be really good at it and excelled quickly. And again, this feeling was like, you need to write. And at first it was just him, just him. He just started writing the book. And about a month later, we felt like it should be something that we did together. And so we did, <laughs> but we just quit everything else. He. He had two other full-time jobs, quit, rented a, a space in our building where we could have quiet. And like you, you use the word purity. I also think another word there could be focus. Um, cer- certainly there is some sincerity in our efforts and what we were trying to show that we were listening. And we were willing to give up all these other things to, to focus on that, which is not always, God isn't always like, quit your job and write a book. That's like the, the advice you never get. They always say, don't quit your job. <laughs> Do not quit right. your job. Right. But we heard a different message. And so we tried to be brave in trusting that
0: source. Because you are brave.
1: Because we are brave. <laughs> we, and we, right. we, we, we implicitly trust the, the source of that that kind of inspiration. And it still took us several weeks to kind of work our guts up to it. Um, But we finally did it. And we have been so grateful that we did. And the fruits are here and they continue. We've written, you know, we started writing two more books and we have a list of others that, you know, we'll just try to keep being brave and keep showing up where we feel prompted
0: to show up. This is just so earth shattering to me. And, and one of the things that I love about your approach to seven at sea your book, it's on Amazon. It's at seven at sea.com. It's the whole gamut. Go find it. The, and I love the cover. I think it's awesome. Super inviting and wonderful. Um, the, the thing, the thing that I love about your approach is that you are willing to put in there the good, the bad, the hard, the scary, the whole thing. And what I think that that offers people is for them to recognize braveness in you and say, wait, I can do this. Like she can do this. I can do this. And I think that that is such a powerful force for women today. You are in great company, listeners. You are in great company with Emily as she adventures and as she takes these massive risks that do not make sense to anyone else. But she recognizes and trusts the voice. And I think many of us as women can say, I do feel called. I do feel this stirring going on. And it may range from living on a boat for a year to podcasting to whatever it may be. We all are called in different ways. And yet, do we trust that voice? And are we excited for the details ahead that will surely come because of that voice? You're awesome, Emily. I'm just dying. I'm just so grateful that you've had the bravery and the courage to put this out there um, in book form, in blog form, in podcast form, every form that you have offered this. I just super admire your bravery. Way to go, girl. Thank you. I mean,
1: if it was about me, I wouldn't have this kind of nerve, but it's, it's not about me. And that is what makes it possible to just keep showing up. So thank you for having me on. It's been so great to talk to you. It could just keep talking all day.
0: <laughs> it's the best. It's the best. And the cool thing about it is I feel like it's always fun to interview people, but when you can bring in all facets of life from God to family to book deals to everything, like that's when it's the complete picture, you know?
1: I totally agree. I think it really it really is for me my life does not make any sense at all if you remove God from the equation. You're like what's going on there? No, it's What's it's, going on? He's at the middle of it. So that's the only way it makes sense.
0: <laughs> oh, I just love it. So, you obviously are going to want to connect more with Emily after hearing from her. Um, you can find her on her blog, Fezzywig.com. We'll have that in the show notes. It's F E Z Y W I G.com. You can also find their book, Details Awesomeness, at 7atC.com, as well as on Instagram. You can follow her there at Emily Orton 2020. On Instagram and we'll get you guys connected thanks for listening to the women with fire podcast hey thanks for listening to the women with fire podcast your support means a lot to us in fact your support is what makes this podcast possible if you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and Connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women with Fire podcast. Find us on Instagram at The Women with Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women with Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.